Thanks for joining us for episode four of season two of Couples Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. The first and third Wednesday of each month, we drop episodes with advice, tips, and real world experience for partnering in business and life. I'm Jody, a business owner and communication strategist, and I think bathroom medicine cabinets with mirrored doors are a bad idea. You're just asking to see the monster or the bad guy <laughs> or the clone version of yourself standing right behind you when you close it. Now, they weren't there before, but as soon as you close that, boom, there they are. Now, I, my mirror's on the wall. Mm-hmm. I don't have to open or close it, and that's never happened to me. Yeah. And Coincidence? We're dropping the Netflix subscription as soon as this episode's finished. <laughs> I'm Glenn, Jody's partner in life and business, and the new commissioner of cogitation for the Couples, Inc. podcast. I'll be cooking up thoughts, ideas, initiatives, and uh, all that kind of stuff at random, so be ready. What is this again? Commissioner of cogitation. Cogitation. Is that a new word? No, it's a very old word. Very old word. Yeah. On today's show, we discuss the ideal age to start a business and talk about things we learned at our first job. At the end of the episode, we stop by the Couples, Inc. water cooler to chat about summer vacations. Now, without further ado, let's get started with this episode of Couples, Inc. For today's big topic, and we kind of, I guess, set it up with, is there an ideal age to start a business? Because a lot of people would say there isn't an ideal age, but we kind of wanted, I guess, to provoke some thought about... You know, the pros and cons of starting too young or starting too old. Yeah. So I think for me, when I started this, at I was 40, uh, when I started uh, the marketing and PR business that we mm-hmm. run, I felt like that was a, a sweet spot. It was just, you know, still young enough where I could take the risk of starting a business, but had enough experience that I had the confidence to do it. What are your thoughts about it? Is there like a sweet spot for when to start? I think the question of balance kind of comes into play more than an age figure or an exact number. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to some of my notes here. Uh, The benefits and challenges of starting young and the benefits and challenges of starting older. And those flip, I think, when you meet that sweet spot. So that from my perspective, the benefit of starting young is time. Mm -hmm. And the challenge is perspective. And then they flip. Then they flip. And I think at that flip point, whatever that is in a person's work life or their career, may be the perfect time. And it's so hard to see that because you're in the middle of the forest at that time. Right. Starting a business, there's no perfect time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just leap. And that phrase you always say, leap and the net appears. Because you're weaving it on the way down. Yeah, you're very busy. You're very, very busy weaving this. (laughs) There's no one else doing this for you. So, yeah, you're right. There's You do have a perspective and time flip. And so while you have more time to build and grow and take that risk, you may not have that the perspective that you need to successfully run the business. And, again, there's no – there are people who have started businesses right out of college and they're 20 years down the road, they're still very successful. And there are those who've had a lot of experience who start a business later who just can't seem to make it work despite the work history. It really is very personal. Yeah, there's bound to be some kind of a mean mm-hmm. sort of a figure that I'll bet the Census Department has that. Right. We I'm could, calling yeah. on the Census Bureau. Let me get them on the phone. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there probably is like, here's the average age of the, you know, 
first-time business owner or mm-hmm. the age range of the business owner. But as today's new technologies have allowed like teenagers to become like TikTok stars, which is rare, but it does happen. So there are people who are young and successful, and it's probably, you know, challenging to deal with that success that young. Um, but as far as starting your everyday average business, I think you really do have to have a little bit of experience. We've talked often about absolutely when you work for someone, you not only learn how to run a business, but sometimes you learn how not to run a business. And how to deal with people. Mm. And I don't mean deal with people. I guess I I need to restate that. To how, yeah, that how does sound to, very aggressive. <laughs> I'm going to deal with these people. You you have that fire when you're younger. And sometimes it and doesn't get... And something to get, prove. Well, yeah, sometimes that. And a lot of times it doesn't get tempered mm-hmm. when you're trying to conduct business. It's like the Godfather. It's not personal. Right. It's strictly business. And you get that. You get that. Like you said, that perspective. Yeah. It comes with. It comes with some. I mean, I hate to be that person. To say, you know, it comes with with experience. And There's age. no substitute. There but really there isn't. is. There is something to be said. I mean, when I was in my twenties, I thought I knew everything, and I was quick to anger. And that is not necessarily a good combination for someone to run a business. And it isn't who you are now. It definitely not. It, you know, over time, experience, life experience, going through cancer, going through, you know, starting a business and realizing what it takes, that perspective does come into play as you get a little bit older. And I think you still do have to manage that time. Now, you and know, I how think you it's important that. too. This mm-hmm. is something that we haven't talked about much in the past, but it bears mentioning. There's a song I like a lot. It's an Aerosmith song mm-hmm. uh, called "Dream On," mm-hmm. and there's a lyric in there that I think is really kind of speaks to this. It's you've got to lose to know how to win. Oh yeah. A lot of times you'll see it in sports. Many many times, some of the worst teams in history, if they get a couple of key components changed, a coach change, or something changes. And they know what it's like to be on the bottom, and that motivates them. Plus, it teaches them some humility Mm -hmm. when they get to where they're more successful. I think it's true in business, too, not just sports. I think it's true in, in life in general. But when you've experienced, you've had the time to experience loss of some sort, maybe it's a business failure. Yeah, it that that is true. That is very true, because you do... Yeah, like I'm. I watch a lot of YouTube videos, mm-hmm. and a lot of these people started very young, and then you see them like dealing with mental health issues because they put so much worth and value in the number of likes or hits or shares, and they haven't really established themselves professionally or even personally before they quote unquote started their business yeah. as an influencer. Yeah. Having that experience of realizing that, yeah, you're going to lose. I mean, I've lost accounts and I'm okay. You know, it ended up not being a good fit. Or I've had jobs where I learned lessons about dealing with things not always going the way they're supposed to. And that helps you put things in, as you've said before. I think you really, I guess, solidified the idea that perspective is a huge part of this. You have to have a sense of perspective, no matter what your age. Indispensable. So what do we think? Is there an ideal age, or is it just an ideal mentality? Sometimes I think you know when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think that that's kind of apparent. You may, in my case, 
it was a combination of factors when I started my recording studios. I was young enough to know uh, that I still had that time luxury. Mm -hmm. I was old enough to have the experience that was necessary for me to gain the perspective that we're talking about. And it kind of reached that tipping point. So it wasn't an age. I was a little over 40. Mm -hmm. That may be coincidental. Yeah, yeah, because that, yeah, you're a serial entrepreneur because you had a recording business before mm-hmm. you joined me mm-hmm. with our public relations and advertising business. So you have even more perspective on starting a business. But it yes. is kind of funny. You started yours in your 40s, that first business. Yeah. And I started uh, Living Pink Communications when I was 40. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe there is that, that's a kind of a sweet spot. Who knows? But that may be just where we personally found where the convergence of time and perspective. Now, you will, if you start younger, you will gain perspective, but it's on the fly, mm-hmm. you know, and it may be or may not be at the expense of your first endeavor, whatever your first entrepreneurial venture is. Yeah. Yeah, everyone everyone at some point will gain some perspective sure. when you're a business owner. Sure. And hopefully it's not at, you know, any major loss, but I think, yeah, you're right. It's You'll learn on the fly. I believe I can fly. <laughs> This is summer job season, although I ended up getting my first job while I was still in school. It wasn't a summer thing. And we're going to chat. Does that still count? What? As a job? Yeah. As a summer job. No, it wasn't a summer job. It was just a job. Now, I worked more hours in the summer. So it was a fall, winter, spring, and summer job. It was every season job. Good deal. Um, Yeah. When I was 16, my very first job was working at Long John Silver's. And let, let that sink in for a second. Yes, Long John Silver's. I really did enjoy their their chicken. Yeah, planks. you know, I don't know what happened to Long John Silver's. They still exist. Are they they still around? Yeah, but you'll see a lot of them now. They're combos. They're like Long John Silver's and A and W root beer, or Long John Silver's and something else. It's like maybe I think even a Taco Bell. But it's like you 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 won't see them as oh, many standalones okay. as they were in the heyday when I was. When I was there, yeah, back in my the, day, the full back big, in my uh, day, Long John Silver's was warehouse restaurant dominating. Yes, yeah. so we're going to talk a little bit about our first jobs and okay, the lessons. Now, before we start, we all know the first lesson everyone learns is that the hourly wage that you are paid is not actually what you're paid, and it is shocking when you get that first check. That is shocking. It's like buying a car. Yeah. The, the price is not the price. No. It Your should, wage it, is not the wage. It should say up to in front of it. Yeah. Like you could make up to. And then this time in 86, it was probably what, $3.40? Or suggested take-home pay. Suggested, suggest, like suggested price. And then you're like, what's FICA? What is yeah. this? Yeah. So much taken out of my check. Yeah, my math yeah. did not add up because I had, I was like, oh, couldn't wait. I was going to go to the mall because people went to the mall back then. Mm-hmm. And I just had all kinds of things I was going to buy. And then I was like, what? This isn't at all what I thought. So to modify anyway. that list. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So what was your very first job? Oh, the very first. Okay. I worked at um, a boat dock. This is when I was 10. Yeah. Was I was that 10 legal? years old. It was back then. Everything was legal back then. You're talking about the late 60s. Child could, labor laws, what? Yeah, there's nothing, nothing like that. I drove by myself you know, <laughs> in a car that I built out of found parts. <laughs> yeah, so you were 10 years old, but this was at your family's business, right? Yeah. So you sold um, like chips and soda? 
I did all kinds of things, really. You know, pump gas, and in those days, and maybe still uh, for boat motors, the smaller ones, you had to mix oil and gas. It's kind of like with string trimmers that are gas-powered now. And sorry, you were 10 years old and you were doing this? Yeah, ratios and stuff. 20 to 1, 10 to 1, 5 to 1, and all that kind of stuff. Wait a minute. (gasps) You worked at a boat dock? I worked at Long John Silver's. Coincidence? It was meant to be. It was meant to be. We were seafaring individuals. I I was lake faring. Lake faring. Yeah, I was probably some kind of processing plant faring. Yeah, I don't think Long John Silver's ever sold like the catfish or anything. You know, I did they? I don't remember. I feel like they did, but I don't know. We're mentioning them way too much. Yeah, we're yeah. It's if they're still around, they need to be a sponsor. I know, I know. They're getting like they're living rent free in my mind right now, or on our podcast right now. I'm gonna bleep them out. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's go ahead and start talking about our first lesson, and I'll start with again going back to this. Is these are all related to Long John Silver's and. I didn't know about the phrase emotional labor, but it is a legit thing. It mm-hmm. is something that is, along with your physical labor or your intellectual labor, emotional labor. And this is something that you learn when you're working that, huh, I have to smile while this idiot who ordered the wrong thing demands that I make it right and I'm quick about it. Did you just call a customer an idiot? I did. I did. You are fired. I know. That's the thing is I had to learn. That was my first lesson. Thoughts that shouldn't be said should, should remain, remain in, in the, the head. head. Because it's like, yeah, the person was ordering the wrong thing, but uh, they're the customer. So, of course, you ordered this. I'll get that to you. So you learn a lesson about it. And then you know what? It doesn't change. We've talked before. If you're in PR and you have not apologized at least once for something that wasn't your fault. Yeah. You haven't done your job. You're not doing your job. Yeah. All right. What's your first lesson? The mechanics of work versus chores. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, you're kind of enlisted to uh, start helping out around the house. Right. You right. take out the trash or you wash the dishes or you wash your clothes or mop the floor. Or do something like that to help out with the upkeep of the house. Mm-hmm. And that is a sporadic type of thing. You may have it on a schedule, but it has a finite start and a finite finish. And when you're a kid, you can be distracted and called away to do something else, like the time that I was supposed to mow the grass, and I didn't feel (laughs) like it, so I started the lawnmower and just went off and did whatever I wanted to. As if they wouldn't notice it wasn't mowed? Well, you know, when you're 10 years old, it makes perfect sense. That versus the actual mechanics of working multiple hours in a row Mm -hmm. on different things at different times. And being held accountable. Being held accountable and getting paid for that. It's a transactional thing. The chores... I never got paid for that. Some kids do get an allowance, but it's often not spoiled brats. Spoiled. It's uh, it, but it's not tied to a certain number of hours. It's usually tied right. to the task being done, and it's not something that it, it's a different kind of different kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, that, that so that idea that you're going to be working and people are going to expect things of you. I call it continuity of task mm-hmm. and follow through. Get on it until it's done. That kind of lead, the idea of people holding you accountable and having sort of mechanics of working leads to mine is that um, sometimes your first job will teach you things and sometimes it will reveal things about yourself. And I learned, and I would never have expected this before I got my job, but 
I really hated to let anyone down. And so even though it was a job that no one's life depended on getting fish and more. Or, I don't know. That well, sounds pretty important. It's one of the four food groups, isn't it? It is. It is. And during Lent on Friday nights, oh my gosh, Longdon Silver's was the place to be. Sure. It was. It was, I guess, for some people, life-saving. But my job was, I was 16 years old, I was still a high school student, and I was working part-time at a restaurant. It was not vital that I be there. They were not going to, if I didn't show up, they weren't going to collapse. But in my mind, I was like, I just do not want to let anyone down. And it became kind of part of my core personality. And I'm maybe sometimes to my detriment, I worry about letting people down so much. But it's like one of those things that just revealed itself because, you know, again, 12-year-old Jody, 13-year-old Jody probably let people down on a regular basis. But when I got into the work world, I was like, yeah, I this is professional. I don't want to let anybody down. And I'm kind of glad I discovered that about myself and cultivated that. Um, But it is kind of weird that sometimes your first job will reveal a little bit more about your personality or kind of what your work ethic is. You took that personally. I kind of did. Something else that it taught me the world of work was in the multitask environment, how to make change. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. There wasn't a display, but it was up to the operator, the cashier on duty at the time, to make change. So you had to count up from the price of the item to the bill that they gave you, the currency they gave you. Right. So if something was $3.79, they gave you a $5 bill, you had to figure out how to make the change from that. That's a skill that I think is sometimes is lost um, yeah. on, on when you get too... Obsolete. Yeah. And we, yeah. Had, we had everything displayed, but when anything went wrong, I had that skill set too. And it was something that I learned. It's like, okay, you... Two pennies get you to the five, then that gets you to the ten, then you yeah. do the fifty cent, then you do the dollar, and you. When I saw it disappear, I was so disappointed. I, when I was doing that, mm-hmm. when I was ten, I thought, "Man, I could make a career out of this. I could just be a professional change maker." Professional change. Well, there are professional change makers, but they're not. What <laughs> the agents of change? You're an agent of change. Yes. You're an agent of change. I love it. All right, my last one. Okay, I don't know if this is an example of correlation or causation, but I learned that if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. So true. I know. Your first job is where you discover that leaning on a counter can actually predict what your next task is going to be, and it's going to be cleaning. And I also, I think, learned the value of rhyming things, because if you've got time, turn it into a rhyme. Uh, the, the, The last thing that I learned, when you are 10 years old, you're still lightweight enough, and you still have enough hair that you can be pulled out of the water by it. <laughs> I fell into the water trying to pilot a boat up to the dock. It was going very slow, so there was no chance of it running over me. But there was a chance of me coming up under the dock where the styrofoam met the water, and there's no air under there. So one of the other guys reached down, and all he could grab was hair. He lifted me out of the water by it. Maybe that explains some things about the current state of my... I was going to say, I I wonder if there were any long-term effects. I want to go back there now and get that hair. Hey, Glenn. Hi, Jody. I'm just here getting a drink at the Couples, Inc. water cooler. In the water cooler, such a great place to catch up and... Chat. Yeah, especially since I put wine in it this time. That was a, I have to say, that was a really good move. Mm. Really good. <laughs> so, what do you want to talk about? 
So I thought, because we did just talk about, you know, it's summertime and summer jobs, but we also mm-hmm. could talk about summer vacations. The time that... <laughs> The time where expectations and dreams and plans... Go to die. Go to die. Come crashing down (laughs) and burning. Yeah. But those are the best stories. They do make the best stories. I know that when... Part of who we are. Yeah, they are part. They. I know that when we've talked about, we've gone to Disney a couple of times with my my sister's uh, family and my parents, and you can clearly tell who's there on the first day of their vacation... And who's there on day five or seven? Or day two. Or or maybe even <laughs> or day two. Or later on day one. Day two. Yeah, I know. I always kept thinking these kids, their parents are stressing out. They needed a time out zone. Because there's no threat you can give your kid because you're not going home. And you're not yeah. even going back to the hotel. Yeah. But they need a time out zone, I think. A time out world. Also, we learned that when the our nieces were really young that all those rides and everything mm-hmm. they're great but the elevator buttons boy that's where the fun is sure it's like a cat you give a cat a ball of string and they'll be happy for hours you buy a 50 dollar cat toy for them and yeah they'll ignore it so speaking of disney that made me think of a, a very weird story when I first went to Disney, that was back in 77, that was when it was just like just the Magic Kingdom. There wasn't an Epcot or, yeah. and a million other different things yeah. there. It was it was a simpler it, time. Simpler time. It was a time when that um you know that bear jamboree thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, this the last <laughs> yes. few times we've gone, that's where I went in because it was air conditioned just to hang out. But when I went in 77, there was actually a note on the brochure or something like that to be prepared for lines. Okay. Um, nothing against the Bear Jamboree. It's some good old country music with some animated or animatronicated, animatronicated bears. But it wasn't, it, back then it was much bigger than it is today. Well, to go there, we were going to go with my, obviously my sister and I were going with my mom, my dad, my aunt, my uncle, and my grandmother, and I think maybe my grandfather. I can't remember if he, Grandpa Kirsch was there or not. But we all went in one car. Okay, one car, not a minivan. Not yeah. My not sister a station and I. Wagon. No, my sister and I did not have seats. I was seven. She was, I guess, four. We sat in people's laps or on the floorboard. Now, this is in the 70s when kids didn't have, I guess, you didn't have your safety seats. You didn't have, you know, there wasn't, and we, I have no idea how, I have no idea how the adults tolerated that. I mean, I was a seven-year-old, so I just probably laid, laid across all of them and I was fine. But I could not see how we all squished in that car and why we thought that was a good idea. Yeah. I mean, we thought that was, that was fine. It was efficient. Yeah, the kids, they'll sit on the floorboard, or they'll sit on our laps. They'll be fine. We're just going to be driving, what, nine, ten hours on, yeah. It was just, I don't know, what are you thinking? I enjoyed myself, you know, tremendously at the Magic Kingdom once we got there. But I just think back, what? That would never fly right now. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe somebody out there is doing it. But anyway. So that's that just made me think about the weird summer vacations. Again, I enjoy the vacation, but I'm just like, you know, in this case, it was about the destination. It wasn't about the trip. It wasn't about the journey. It wasn't about the journey. The journey wasn't good. Thank goodness. It was totally the destination. Okay. I, 
I don't think I've got that beat, but I do have a, a strange story. So um, we used to go and see my uncle and aunt who lived in another state. And we would spend a week with them sometimes on summer vacation because, you know, this was back in the old days and there wasn't any such thing as Disney or any of that sort of thing. You just went to see your relatives and bug them for a week. Yeah, (laughs) and and just impose on them for a week. So I went there and they had a record store in the town. So I bought a couple of albums with my allowance. And I was coming back and I didn't want to hold the records in my lap. So I stuck them under the front seat, not thinking about the adverse effects of heat on vinyl yeah so i got home and was gonna play the first one and it looked like a waffle (laughs) and literally and of course it wouldn't play so i talked to one of my buddies at school about it and he said oh i know what you could do you could put those out in the sun with concrete blocks on them and flatten them out oh my gosh and that Fixed it. That fixed all of those records, for sure. For sure. They were no longer waffle-shaped. No. Well, they were waffle-shaped, but they also had some interesting skips in them. Ah. So when you think about a mixtape now and remix or different versions of things, I'm the pioneer that you're thinking you, about. You remixed <laughs> significantly. You well, remixed it, really. <laughs> well, then were there bits of gravel or sure. concrete? Yes, and the skips that they cause and all kinds of stuff just... It was wonderful, magical new way of hearing music. I know. That is crazy. Summer is not a good time for albums in <laughs> the car at all. Because I've heard of people who have it just inadvertently left them in, back in the day when people... Okay, well, vinyl is making a comeback, though. But yeah. yeah, definitely don't put them in the car. Oh. So I guess our lesson is don't put albums under the seat and don't put a seven-year-old and a four-year-old in the floorboard. It all has to do with the floor of the car. All the floor of the car is, it's floor, the floor is lava. The floor is lava on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Couples Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. We drop new episodes the first and third Wednesday of each month, but to make sure you don't miss a show, follow us wherever fine podcasts are published. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to support the podcast, share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating or review. And please visit our website, couplesincpodcast.com. That's couplesincpodcast.com to learn more about us, review show notes, or leave us a message. Until next time.